Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. So let me just play um, Rob's part here. So he was he had to leave the police after only five years. He was very accomplished in those five years. He was a hostage negotiator and he was um, a liaison contact for um, the anti-terrorist unit. And But he didn't have the support he needed and he really struggled with the lack of support that is there and he's not the only one. I'm Rob Hosking and I was previously in the police force from 2015 to 2020. I was a trained negotiator. Um, I was also a local contest liaison officer dealing with um, counter-terrorism issues in the local communities. Within the police force, I feel like it's a very macho culture. It does not promote a safe space for anybody to uh, be vulnerable. Um, going in at the age of 22, you're, you become quite hardened to stuff because you're surrounded by people, the majority older cops, who are involved in this culture who, in relation to, they do not want to show their emotion. They're quite hardened. They make the, you know, they're they've got dark humor they've they make their jokes about situations they will not take mental health serious in terms of whenever there's a mental health call that we need to go to and someone's in crisis um, a lot of police officers will think that it's a lot of a lot of rubbish so to speak and um, they're just they lack an empathy to other people because they have to be so hardened and so desensitized to every situation they deal with that because they can't even they can't they think they think that mental health's rubbish when someone else is in crisis how are they ever in a position to deal with their own mental health and the mental health of their colleagues when you're listening to an older cop saying that this mental health call we're going to is a lot of rubbish Therefore, you then do not feel like there's any safe space for you to ever um, tell anybody that you're maybe suffering with your own mental health. I dealt with um, many traumatic incidents during my time in the police for my five years. And not once did I ever admit to myself that I had perhaps my own mental health problems because the police have a culture where they you just you go again because the, the way the shifts work and because the police life consumes your life if you've seen traumatic incident for, um, for a couple times on on shift or whatever the next day you go again the next day after that you go again and you never actually stop to understand your own mental health and why things have affected you or to talk about it with colleagues and stuff because you don't feel like you have that safe space to be able to to, to talk about it especially younger cops coming in who you know have not ever had to deal with these kind of things in their life and now all of a sudden dealing with these kind of things and having these hardened cops so to speak believes that you just get on with it make jokes and you move on with your life 
your colleagues and that culture of we don't need this we don't need this we'll just move on from it we're we're police officers who are hardened and we need to get on with it because we we need to desensitize situations we we make jokes to make it better and stuff however make jokes all you want and maybe try to desensitize the situation all you want but deep down when you're going to bed each night you're alone with your own thoughts and your thoughts will always go back to the stuff you'd seen and you don't make any jokes when you're about to go to bed at night but you don't have anybody else there who's your colleagues who to, to make jokes and to just take away the seriousness of the situation and in that way it then ingrains in your brain and you, you're thinking about it over and over again then you go into the shift next day and perhaps you may want to talk about it but it's forgotten about you and you move and to cut your colleagues moved on and now they're talking about other stuff that's nothing to do with mental health they're not talking about the incident that you've perhaps seen on my last shift um we had dealt with a, a road traffic accident where the person had committed suicide and uh initially the traffic inspector and all attended and my colleague and i were made to feel like criminals so to speak we were getting questioned because we had seen it they assumed that we had maybe been been following the the victim or had maybe like had a blue lights on or anything however when we explained it to them that you know we'd just seen it it was just by chance they would just walked away from us and they didn't seem to care about our own mental health and what we'd been through they just they i remember about three of them the traffic inspector and a sergeant and stuff they were all just in a weak grip and we saw them talking and then sometimes looking over at us and me and my colleagues just standing there having just witnessed that at the side of the road feeling like we're made to be criminals and not no one having an understanding of wait a minute they've just seen this let's maybe put our arm around them and see how they're feeling we were then made to take statements from the ambulance and someone else who'd seen it even though we'd just witnessed something very traumatic, we had to relive it by taking statements from it. I spoke to the inspector about it and he was quick enough. And when I said, you know, I'm actually struggling a wee bit with mental health, I'm struggling to cope with it. Remember he was like, oh, you, sh you should get help then. And that was it. He never contacted me ever again. There was no checkups every each day being like, how are you feeling now? Like, have you got the help or putting me in touch with people who could help me it was pretty much oh well you should get help you, you know you should, you should talk to someone about that and it just passed the buck on to well that's that's your problem that's not our problem because why should we why should we care anymore that's what what it felt like for me that macho culture of unable to to speak to your supervisors about something because heaven forbid they look at you in a different way and they may think you're not up for you're not you don't have the skills or you don't have the the ability of our colleagues who are able to desensitize and just get on with it you could be seen as a burden and that's the last thing you ever wanted to be seen as so you just put it in the back of your head and just moved on and just carried on your shift i was actually suffering from ptsd symptoms um, and i had to speak to a counselor about it uh, but I said that was all for my own back. I know I'd left the police at that time, but I never got the support I needed at that time, which then led to a year and a bit after me suffering from night terrors and flashbacks and had to I was admitted into hospital 
um, with chest pains and stuff. I remember I'd, I'd been hooked up to like an ECG and <clears throat> the ambulance driver was talking to me and I was telling him about being in the police. And he said to me, anytime I mentioned the police, I had heart palpitation. And he says, I think you're suffering from PTSD. And that was just even speaking to about the police, not even about the incident with so many cops. The, they're usually working with older cops who been there, done it, they're hardened to it apparently. And heaven forbid you ever say, look, I think I'm suffering here. It just You just don't, you would never say it because I don't think you, you wouldn't get, you'd be afraid of what their response would be or who they would tell. And then the next time you walk into the canteen or anything, you'd be looking around you thinking who's looking at you in a different way because heaven forbid you've spoken up about suffering mental health issues because of something you'd seen because they all think well we've all seen that who are you to say that you've suffered you're suffering because you've seen one little thing it's not but everyone's different and everyone needs to these people who say they have not suffered from mental health issues because of traumatic incidents it's because they've not allowed themselves to fully analyze and self-reflect about what's actually happened and how it's made them feel. And this is the problem that we need to change in the police. It's not just these hardened people who can drive a, a car fast and fight with the criminals and stuff like that. It's not about that. You know, those promotional videos about the police, it's not, it shouldn't be about handcuffing people and chucking them in the back of the van. And unfortunately, like film and TV culture represents that kind of way of life. It should be the truth of you sitting down with someone who's crying in front of you, you because they've suffered from mental health problems. It should be people who are dealing with their own different uh, different crisis at their point in their lives, and you having to deal with it, whether they're standing on the edge of a bridge or um, social work issues in terms of children. And stuff. That's the stuff the police deal with. I can count in, on one hand how many arrests I could make in a month. But the amount of mental health calls and social work calls and all I, I dealt with, tons. That's, that makes up, I think, about 80% of calls. Mental health, social work kind of missing persons and stuff, that's the be-all and end-all. So I think um, you'll probably agree with me that there's almost too much truth in there. And somebody has said that this guy speaks so much truth. Too much, too much to actually pull out. And it's just all makes so much sense. Um, so the police culture does not support or does not provide a safe space to speak up. And, you know, again, it's you need to try, you're trying to fit into this hardened culture of, you know, this macho culture. And, you know, the word macho is just, I've, I've never heard it in positive context, it's just bad. And, you know, what we're, the police did start out hundreds of years ago as um, as thief takers. They were employed in, in London, in the London docks to, to basically take thieves. This is not what it's like anymore. It's mainly safeguarding and it's mainly mental health calls. And so these promotional videos that are, you know, all sirens, blue lights and action, they're getting the wrong people in in the first place. And they're not really showing people what it's actually going to be like to be a police officer. So, you know, some of the things he was mentioning, you just go from job to job, from shift to shift. You don't reflect on anything. And even if you want to speak about it, others seem to have moved on. But then Ginny told us they only seem to have moved on. You don't really know what's going on behind um, trim services, so that's um, that stands for trauma risk incident management. So Rob made an interesting point there. It's an email you get, and 
even that email is is you know can be portrayed in a bad light by those macho officers, and then you don't want to respond to it. Um, young officers are impressionable and try to handle things like the older cops, i.e., not at all. They're not handling it, and that's a problem. Uh, you don't make any jokes when you go to bed at night. So I, I quite like what he said that you know make, make all the jokes you want. You know nobody's listening when you when you by yourself with your thoughts with your thoughts when you go to bed. Um, and then he's given us a good example of that organizational trauma that Dr. Jacqueline Drew was talking about. They just witnessed somebody taking their own life, he and his colleague. Then they were being made to feel like criminals by supervisors who came in and looked at them funny, like, you know, did you did you maybe chase this person? No, okay, well, go, go and do some, you know, make yourselves useful, take some statements. Well, hang on. I was just a witness to something that can affect this can affect me for the rest of my life. I now need to hear everyone else tell, talking about it. So that's the um, secondary trauma. You know, this this is something that could have been dealt with differently. Um, and you don't you don't want to tell anyone that you're suffering because you worry about how you would be seen. And um, yeah, Ginny, any short observations before we take some questions? Yeah, that was a really powerful segment uh, from Rob. Um, and, that, and I recognize a lot of that that he spoke about in my own experiences. Uh, and I think for sure there is definitely um, a macho culture which needs to go. Um, this whole putting everything out of your out of your thoughts. I mean, when I was 21 years old, I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, uh, had very little life experience, came in to, to, to help people. And the first thing I was told at training school before I even got to the streets was, you can put all that emotion in a box and shove it to the back of your head and don't let it out. And that was it. There was no, and when you get home or when you go and speak to somebody, it was just put it in the box and leave it there. Um, and we've, we've still to a degree still got that mentality. And when we need to get beyond that. And again, it's about making it easier for cops and, and staff to come forward and say, I'm struggling. And if that means that they don't want to speak to someone in the organization, then give them a number that they can ring that is totally not to do with the organization it needs to be that the kind of help we need to offer needs to be lots of different types of help and it needs to be something that is easy to to get to and, but we absolutely need to address the culture in the in the police um and i've even had senior officers said to me well never happened to me when i was a, a young cop well you know get on with it it's 30 years ago come on things have changed a lot things have moved on a lot um and i would question that it didn't happen to them 30 years ago if they sit down and they're totally honest with themselves and they allow themselves to go into that dark space that's in your head sometimes, I would challenge them to say, yeah, actually, you have been there, but you're not necessarily getting the amount of stress and stuff that cops get now because it's a faster pace of living, but we're still living as if we're some sort of macho um, heroes. And we're not. We're people who do heroic things, but we need support and we need to open that up to cops in a way that's accessible for them and in a way that they trust because trust is a huge thing. And I know that, you know, the EAP, the, you know, the uh, employee assistance program, I've had good and bad experiences with that, but I know lots of cops who wouldn't even think about ringing them. So we need to have offer cops other things other than things that are necessarily aligned to the organization to help them get the help they need. I think that each month someone an outside person, not any, not a supervisor, not a colleague or anything, an outside individual should come in and you should be made to speak to them about how your shifts have been going, how you are mental health wise. We need to get rid of this taboo and this stigma by asking someone, is your mental health okay? You know, we're quick enough to ask my colleague, you all right, how are you, how are you getting on? And they, they're quick enough to be like, yeah, fine. 
or whatever. But we need to start asking the question is how's your mental health today? You know, after seeing that incident, are you alright? You do know we can talk about it. Yes, I I understand the police force has to desensitize some situations. Completely understand that. However, we can't desensitize the situation to the extent where you're not even willing to talk about your mental health because of it. You know, you need to be able to desensitize the situation during it because yes, we have to deal with difficult situations and you need to be the support for other people. But when we go back into the office and it's just the police, let's be the support for each other because you still need support for being support to someone else. Just because I've supported someone else doesn't mean I have to carry that macho thing the whole way through to when I get home and I'm like, oh, well, it's that's on my shoulders and I have to deal with it. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk, have a, a group space to be able to talk about that was difficult, wasn't it? And let's talk about mental health rather than just moving on from it and never speaking about mental health and how it made someone feel. And the police just do not give you the opportunity to do that in terms of the culture is a culture where you cannot show vulnerability in the police. You just can't. Yep. So we need to be able to let people show the vulnerability. So each month have a checkup um, to see how you're doing mentally. He's suggesting someone external. Um, again, I think it would be good if people can choose if they want someone internal or external. You never know what the preference might be. Desensitizing is necessary, but you need to be able to switch that off when you're dealing with your own life and with your colleagues. And uh, create opportunities to encourage colleagues to um, speak to each other after an event. Um, and we, we need to get that right. What do you think, Ginny? Yeah, I think mandatory medical uh, mental health checkups are great. The likelihood of that happening every month, I think, is close to zero. Um, I think the one thing that we've not addressed today is the fact that budget is going to be a, a limiting factor. Um, all I would say to the, the chief police officers and, and to politicians, because they're the ones that set budgets, is that you cannot afford not to invest in this area. Um, do it at your peril because your officers are on their knees and they need support and they need it now. Um, minimum once a year mandatory, but they should have access to mental health support um, without restriction. Yeah, somebody actually put something in the comment a while ago about um, having done a freedom of information request to all 43 forces here in the UK. And it was something like, what, 500,000 days of police work lost. So, you know, when you hear complaints by decision makers about budgets, just ask them to tally up how much they're actually spending on officers who can't turn up to work, who are Ill retiring based on ill health. Actually, if you do the figures, I think it would be a lot more feasible and uh, a lot more value for money to actually keep our officers healthy and get them back healthy rather than just having them off. Because like we spoke to two police officers today who retired, who had to leave after three or five years. How much did it cost to recruit others and train them up again, get a new uniform, get new equipment? It's a lot more expensive not to look after people. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.